It was, it was really incredible just to see the church worshiping this morning. I'm glad Reach and Rescue come and join us. And if you get a chance to talk to them after the service, just get to know them. They're just a great group of guys uh, trying as best they can to lead people in worship literally all across our area. So get a chance to know them. Uh, again, wonderful guys. A couple of people have asked, and I realized I never really completed this story for, for a lot of people. Some people heard the story individually. But a while back, I gave an update kind of on where our son was at. In the last couple of weeks, I've had two people come up and say, hey, whatever happened with your son? And I thought, you know, a lot of times through personal interaction, people kind of heard the whole story. And, and people like, you never heard. Last I knew, he was in the hospital. And, and whatever happened? And I said, man, I need to share the whole story. Uh, you know, God prevailed through that whole situation. For those who don't know, we're in the process of adopting a son. Uh, because of some complications, he was actually in All Children's Hospital for the first two months, or about the first six weeks of his life. Uh, right after that, he came home, and literally, he's, he's big, he's strong, he's healthy, having no complications at all. And, and in fact, just as we had, had a chance to get to know him, he's four months old now, to see his personality, to see he is one of the happiest babies. Some of you know, you get a chance to work with him back in, in the nursery, and all the time, and not, maybe not all the time, 90% of the time, uh, he's happy, and, and, and a lot of times... He looks something like this. Come on, that's, that's crazy. Like I, every time I see this picture, now, now I'll say this, Beth does an update like every month on his you know, month of his birthday, and she's been holding on to this picture because she wants to use it. She hasn't put this on Facebook. No one else has seen this picture. I'm like, Beth, I have to use this picture Sunday morning. And she's like, okay, but just this one time. So this is a picture. Now, now it would be great, parents, because here's what we do. If you're a parent, you can identify. You take like a thousand pictures of your kids and 999 of them don't turn out well. Like there's stuff all over and, and they're making a mess and they're yelling and they're screaming or they move so fast it's like a blur on the picture. You know what I'm talking about? But then you get the one and you're like, everybody look at this picture. Like for, for me, this was the one picture, but that's not real life. This picture right here, this is more real life. You see, recently, uh, we, we went about four months old. All the experts were saying, okay, at four months, they can start to take on more, like, real food. And by real food, we don't mean real food at all. Like, it's not, it's not even close to being real food. You see, we started feeding him. And the first, we, we, we give him, we get one of these right here, which is for people, for kids who are, like, supported sitters. And it's so all this world up kind of a mess. And to start off, he got world up peas and then, and then green beans. And then finally, we escalated to bananas. And this was, this was the big thing. We started doing it. And you go, and the first time you start to feed him, uh, you know, we, we went in there, we tried to feed him, and it wasn't really successful. Like, we, we went in, we tried to feed him, and he ended up looking like this. He got a whole lot more on. We have this big plastic bib that covers, like, head to toe. We got more on the bib and all over the place. We found stuff on our counter across the kitchen that we don't even know how it got there. But, but we're learning through this process. There's a couple of things that we were learning as, as parents that I think as we talk through this series talking about the table that are really appropriate to our conversation. Uh, so a couple of things I want to use that I learned from, from feeding Zach and from hanging out with Zach that I wanted to use as, as kind of an illustration for how we are in our Christian life. You see, a couple of weeks or a couple of days into this, we actually came to church on a Sunday morning. And we had just started this process, and Beth was explaining to someone, you know, we're trying to feed him. He's not really having a whole lot of fun with it yet, but he, it's getting there. And someone came to us and said, hey, they make this, someone here at Ridge Point came to us and said they make this, this new thing that it actually, you can take, it's, it's a spoon, but you actually put all the food, you take the lid off, you put all the food up in there, and then there's just a little bit of a hole, and you squeeze it, and it comes out on the spoon, and for some reason, 
the kids seem to take it a little bit better. Has anybody seen these things before? Like, these things are incredible. And so that's like, okay, like literally Sunday afternoon, let's go get one of those things. And we went out, and for the first time that particular Sunday, we were like, all right, let's try to feed them again. And for the first time, we were successful in that. So sometimes it takes us trying different things for there to be movement in our life. And, and the second thing was this. The first time that we started to feed him, we started reading all the warnings on, on these foods. And they said, listen, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of warnings in these things. But one of the things they said was, it's going to take your child multiple times of taking this food for them to begin to like it and for them to even be, uh, be able to understand how to put their tongue through their mouth to push the food back. So don't give up right away. Now, I was, if, if, if I was part of the marketing team to kind of get this to work, because again, they're using like, like peas and green beans and, and all these different things. And even as I said, that, some people's face like, oh, that's, that's nasty. If they could find like a Krispy Kreme donut flavor of these things, <laughs> the kids would have a whole lot more fun in eating these things. Uh, that's twice in three weeks I've used Krispy Kreme as an illustration. I don't know if I have a problem or what, but... Um, <laughs> But, but we're talking about this idea of, of moving around a table. For those who weren't here, two weeks ago we kicked this, this series off by talking about the table. Last week as part of the series we had a chance to have our mission team up here. And we said week one that, man, if, if we're growing in our faith, at some point we start to take on the mission of the church. The table for this series is, is kind of an allegory for the church. And we start to, as we grow around the table, we start to take on the mission of the church. So part of the, the series was having our, our team, our missions team that went down to Harbico, Dominican Republic, up here and share their story. And I will say this, next week, again, we're not exactly part of the content of the table series, but you're going to see in another very real way an illustration of people moving around the table. You don't want to miss this. And then we'll wrap it up in two weeks. But for those who weren't here, we started using the table as an illustration of the church. And we said when we come to church, we want different people in different chairs at the table of the church. We want, the first week we talked about the people sitting in this chair right here, and these are people who are really mature in their faith. Like these are people who have grasped it, they're following Christ, they're making wise decisions, and they're starting not just to be fed, but they're starting to serve the people at the other tables. Like that's a big deal, is we're constantly being fed, because if we're not being fed at some point we become malnourished, but we're also constantly serving, because if we're not serving, at some point we become lazy and fat. We can't just feed ourselves, we have to look for opportunities to serve. So we talked about the first week, we talked about being seated at the table of maturity, feeding and serving. This week, we're talking about this chair right here. And this chair right here is, is people who are vel- relatively new Christians, people who have accepted Jesus, and they're trying to follow him. Now, this is not indicative of how long a person's been a believer. Because there are some people who have been following Jesus for 10 years, and they've never journeyed out of this chair. In fact, if I could be honest, if, if we're more like real about how this was, we could take out this chair and put a bench here. Because almost every single person I've talked to, when we started off this series, I started talking to some of my friends. And as I started talking to some of my friends, I said, you know, if, if you were to pick out one of these chairs, which of the chairs would you feel like you were fitting in? The third chair is the chair of a person who comes in saying, man, I'm investigating. I want to find out more about this. I'm not sure about Jesus at all. I'm not following him. 
but I'm here because I want to investigate this. Our goal as a church is for there to be 33% of people at each of the chairs. We want to see 33% of the people here be investigating, want to find out more about Jesus. We want to see 33% of the church be mature, mature, like really mature in their faith. But 33% we want in this chair. But as I've talked to people, two things I've seen. Number one is almost exclusively everybody I've talked to says, I reside in this chair. And I've not taken a huge sample of Ridgepoint Church, but I've talked to quite a few people. And almost every person said, I feel like this is the chair that I'm in. Now, they say I'm at different points in that chair. And that's why I'm saying it's probably better if we had a bench up there for this particular chair. Because if, if, if I say I'm not a mature Christian, but I feel like I'm transitioning, I'm getting closer to that, then I feel like, well, I'm closer to this chair than I am to that chair, but I still feel like I'm not ready to be in that chair. Or I could say... I, I became a, a new believer. I'm a new believer. I accepted Christ last week, and I'm just beginning this journey. I'm still very rough around the edges. And, and, and if that's the case, we're fine with that. In fact, that's the chair we should be residing in. If we're a new believer, if, we, if we're kind of new to church, and we, we understand the goodness and the grace of Jesus in our life, and, and we accept him and realize he died to take away our sins, that's the chair we now reside in. But part of the growth that we start to experience is to say, what do I have to do to move from way over on the bench on this side to growing in maturity and faith? And as I do that, I realize my faith is about what Jesus did in my life, not what I did in my life. And yet, I start to take responsibility for my actions, and I start to try to find ways in this faith journey with Jesus to make wiser choices, to see God glorified in my life. How do I do that? So we're in this series talking about the table, and that's what we want to get into. We want to talk through, if we're residing in this chair, how do we at least slide further over on the bench? Or how do we at some point feel like I'm now in a spot, and, and I never want to be prideful about this, but I feel like I'm starting to get a spot where my faith is becoming more mature. And again, that can't be a pride thing for us. I don't want to sit here and say, yes, I'm mature, I've arrived, I, I've made it now. That's not the point. But the point is just the way we conduct our lives, the way we converse with other people, the way we react to other people when we get mad. How do we respond? There should be maturity in our walk if we've been following Jesus for some time. And if there's not, for a lot of us, if right now you feel stagnant, if right now you say, man, I feel like for a while now there's not been a lot of movement in my life, and I feel like I'm kind of stuck in one chair, then it's time for us to force ourselves to say, I need to grow up a little bit in faith. I need to start to feed myself a little bit, a little bit bigger boy food. We need to eat a little bit more. And the cool thing is, God actually addresses that in Scripture. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up the First Corinthians. Um, we're going to begin in chapter 2, but we're really going to get to chapter 3 very quickly. Because last week, as we talked about this seed of maturity... Paul is writing to a church, and I want us to understand this. Paul helped plant the church in Corinth somewhere around the year 50 A.D. So if Jesus lived the first 33 years, he, he went up to heaven about 33 A.D. About 17 years later, the, the church is spreading, and Paul goes to a city, this, this big city in Corinth, and he plants a church there. And a couple of years later, he goes and plants a church, and the church starts to do some, some good things, some bad things. And a couple of years later, so he's given it some time. These people aren't, aren't new believers. They've been at this for a few years. And Paul starts to hear a report about them. 
And as he hears this report, he's saying, listen, we've set up leadership there. You guys have been after this for a while. Sure, there are new believers in the congregation, but some of you guys have been after this for a while, and yet you keep making some of the same mistakes. And these weren't small mistakes. Like within the church, there's, there's sexual promiscuity. There's, there's false teachings. There's all these things happening in the church. And Paul, as the person who poured his life out into the church, starts to experience a little bit of frustration in, in, in that. He's saying, listen, by this point, there should be some more maturity. And he, and he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 13. He says this was his goal. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. As a pastor, he says, this is what my desire is. I want to be able to, if there are people that are in this chair, I want to be able to lead these people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And, and for them, it's going to be feeding off of the milk that comes in the formula that I give my son. Like, that's what I want to be able to give those people who are just, just not even at the beginning of their journey with Christ or just journeying with Christ for the first time. I need to feed them those, those small things, that baby formula. But at some point, I want to see enough maturity that I can begin interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. He said, this is my heart as a church planner. This is my heart as a pastor. I want to be able to come and have spiritual discussions with people who are spiritual. And so last week we kicked off by talking, or two weeks ago we kicked off the series by talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And today we segue into the next chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And he says this. He says, that's what my desire would have been. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. He says, my goal from the, from the get-go is we're three years into this. By this point, I want to be able to have spiritual discussions. I want to be able to have our, our level of understanding of, of God and our level of surrender and obedience to him. I want to see those things increase so that we could sit down and have a spiritual discussion about things. But we've been at this for years, and there's not been a whole lot of depth added to where the church is at. And he says, so brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, though I long to do that. But I have to address you as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. So what Paul's saying is, I want to be able to have spiritual discussions. I want to be able to, to sit down and, and be able to look you eyeball to eyeball and have discussions about spiritual things. I want to be able to impart spiritual truths, but I've not been able to do that because for some of you, you're still people of the flesh, and at the most, you're infants in Christ. So what he's saying is, I would love to sit down and be able to feed you some good food. Like, I'd love to be able to have those type conversations. But the problem is just the way you're conducting your lives, the way that, that you're living, you're still sitting in this chair and you're not very far on the journey in this chair. If this is a bench, we're way over on the right side, getting very close to that chair because we haven't grown a whole lot in our faith. Now again, if we're relatively new believers, that's exactly where we should be. But if we've been journeying with Jesus for any time and we feel like we've become stagnant in our faith, we have to start to ask the question. What do I have to do to make this journey go a little bit further? What do I have to do to start to switch chairs or at least journey at least along this bench to grow in the faith and knowledge of who Jesus is? And then he says this, the very next verse. 
He said, I fed you with milk. When he was there three years ago, he said, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. He understood that when he was there because it was, a, it was a new church plant. These were all new believers. He said, when I was there, my goal was to feed you with milk because you weren't ready for it. But then he says this, and even now, years later, you're still not ready for it. When we were in the hospital, and, and, and literally we sat there, we were there for, for six weeks, for 43 days, and, and Zach would go through like a couple of days where he was doing better, and, and we'd feed him the formula, and he was really, really small then. Like, it's amazing to look at pictures, how much things change in four months. For parents, you can understand what that's like. Four months, everything changes. I look at those pictures, and, and he, was, he was so small, and he was just, you know, just his eyes were barely opened, and he was going through the process, and we were feeding him this formula, and he was being given medicine, and he was going through this process, and, and I used to joke around with, with him, not that he understood this, but at least Beth understood it, um, but I used to joke around with him, and I'd say, listen, Zach, if we can just get better, I promise we're going to bust you out of here, and we're gonna go. We're gonna go get a Five Guys burger. And I'm like, because as as a dad, like I, I want to have those experiences. It's been so cool to journey with him and to go from feeding him formula to like I was counting down the days till we could start giving him baby food. Like that's like no, the experts say four months. We're waiting till the day he turns four months old. And we we're like on. We we're out of town that weekend. We we're at a wedding, and, and she's like, we're out of town. It was Sunday. She's like, we can't do it till Monday. And I'm like, it's Sunday. What's one day? She's like, just wait. And so I was I was anxious to see that happen because I want to be able to feed him something more real than just baby formula. But I long for the day that I can take my my youngest son out now. Now let's go find some crazy restaurant that no one else will go to, and you and I, let's go check it out and see what it's like. Let's go do those things. So I do that right now with, with my sons. My oldest son is kind of probably the most adventurous in terms of his appetite. And, and so we'll go find some hole in the wall that no, my wife will be like, there's no way in the world I'm eating there. You go take Jahid there. You guys go and eat there. And we just like to explore and try these different foods. And I'm like, man, I want my son to be able to taste those things and taste and see how good those things are. I want to be able to grill up some ribs. And let's go eat some ribs. I want to see that. And Paul says, that's my heart for the church. I want you to get off of the, the spiritual baby food that you're being given. And I want to be able to feed you real food. I want to be able to give you uh, some, some substance to it. And yet, I'm not able to, to do that just yet. And the crazy thing is, that's not just happening in this church. This is a predominant theme. It happens throughout Scripture. I want to read one other spot in the book of Hebrews, talk about very similar. And this won't be up on the screen, but I just want you to listen to this. In the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. So what he's saying is instead of, you, you shouldn't be residing in this chair. You should be in the seat of service. By this time you should be teachers, but you still need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. So he says, let's continue this journey. If all we're being fed is, is spiritual baby food, then we're not ready to discern right from wrong. And if, if, if I'm not ready to discern, I can hear anybody come up with any belief practice. And I can say, well, hey, that sounds good to me. And that's why a lot of times we see Christians, and we might not even know this, but a lot of the cults that are out there target Christians because a lot of times we don't know what we believe. 
And so they'll use terminology similar to the way that we speak. And it sounds really good to us because we've not gotten to a spot of being able to turn and say, wait a minute, there's something that doesn't seem right about this. I remember when I was in college talking to a friend, and he wasn't one who was, had been journeying with Christ for a long time, but he was trying to grow in, in the wisdom and discernment. And he'd come across some teachings, and he says, I don't know what it is, but there's something about this teaching that doesn't seem right. And we started talking through it. I started saying, okay, what, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? Like, what is this? And, and God was starting to give him discernment. Sometimes that's just the Spirit working in us. Sometimes he, he keeps us away from some of those things because he's wise when we are not. But part of our growth is being able to discern right from wrong, being able to discern, man, God, I really want to know what you're teaching me, and so I want to be able to know your truth. And so if we read this, we can see the frustration that, that Paul is experiencing as the church planner, as a pastor who's, who's the one who helped start this thing. He says there's frustration because even now, a couple of years later, you're still not ready for it. You're not there yet. Then it says in verse 3, for you're still of the flesh. They're still making a bunch of mistakes. They're still caught up in, in, in the carnal stuff. For while there is jealousy and strife among you. So jealousy and strife are there. All the other stuff I mentioned are there. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? And it says, for one says, I follow Paul. And another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not merely being, or are you not being merely human? So what has happened is, is much like today, there's denominations. Everyone gets excited about their denomination. In their day, some were saying, well, I'm following Paul's teaching. He's a really good teacher, so I'm following him. And some said, no, I prefer Apollos. And they took what was supernatural, the church, and they started to, to, to root it back down to its natural things. And they started to become fragmented and say, well, I follow Paul because I really like the way he teaches and I like the way he does stuff. And others say, I follow Apollos. And they took what was supernatural about the church and started to make it natural. And Paul says, there's no growth in that. There's no depth in that because you're so caught up in who you're following and those things that you'd like to do that you're missing. This is all supposed to be about Jesus. This isn't about the person or the leader that you're following. This isn't about the denomination that you're caught up in. This isn't about saying, well, we're better than this person or this person is better than this person. It's about saying the church is supernatural and our growth should be towards Jesus, not towards a leader, not towards a person, not towards the denomination. Our growth should be towards Jesus. And when we do that, all that other superfluous stuff, all that stuff that doesn't matter gets out of the way and I focus on him in my life. And so Paul says, I want you to grow in the faith and knowledge of who Jesus is. He says, I'm going to put myself in that because some of you are saying you're following me and I don't want you to follow me. I want to point you to Christ and follow him. Here's my fear. Is that some of us sit down in this chair and some of us have got stagnant in this chair and we sit down and we look to our left and we see the table, we see the chair that are people who are seeking and investigating and unbelievers and we say, thank God I'm not in that chair anymore. I mean, I've gotten here and I've been here for a while, and I've gotten stagnant. And I look over at the chair of maturity, and I say, there's no way in the world I could ever occupy that chair. Either my past is too bad, and because of my past, I can never get in my mind that I could ever actually be a mature follower of Jesus. Or it just is taking too much work, there's too much time to invest. I don't think I'm capable of being able to do that. When we do that, we limit the power of the Spirit of God to work in our life. So we want movement. Look at the person next to you and say, I want movement. Now say it like you mean it. 
I want movement. Like, I want to see, I want to see this, this faith journey happen. And for some of us, it's saying, I need to have this big supernatural moment in my life. But for a lot of us, that's not the case. It's not that I need some big supernatural thing to happen in my life. That, that should have already happened if we're following Christ. We should have had that supernatural event. And when that happens, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us. And he enables us to be able to grow in the faith and knowledge of who Jesus is. He points us to Jesus, and that's his goal in our life, is to see Jesus personified for others to see Jesus in us. And so when we say there's no way I could ever mature, that I've gotten to this spot, and I'm going to sit down, I'm going to be comfortable, we're limiting the Spirit of God working in our life. So how do I do that? Like how do, if I'm sitting here, how do I do that? A couple of things. First of all, the main thing I see, most believers, the reason why we never mature in our walk with Jesus is because we continue to struggle with a sin problem that is tearing us apart. And it starts off, it's not that big. It doesn't seem like it's very significant, like this is a minor thing. It's not even impacting a lot of people. In fact, a lot of people don't even know about this, but I know it's intersecting with my life with Jesus and it's, and it's interrupting that, that, that journey. And the sooner we realize, man, there's this, this issue, and it might not be a big issue, but there's an issue that is interrupting my relationship with God, and I try to extricate that from my life, the sooner I experience the true freedom that is found in surrendering my life to Jesus. So if we're looking for steps to take, the first thing I would say is, man, if there's sin, if there's sin that we have to get rid of, deal with that sin. And for some of us, it doesn't have to be sin that we're doing, but it could be sin that we're not doing. Things we're supposed to be engaging in that we're not engaging the second thing is to be consistently plugged into church. There are others that are probably more significant in terms of our everyday life that we'll get to. But here's what I've seen is I see people who start to say, well, I've gotten to this point and I feel like I'm not getting any further. And so I'm going to disconnect from church for a little bit and I'm going to try to do this on my own because I think I can do that. I think I can disconnect from the church because I've already heard all that they're talking about. I already got all that. So I'm going to try to do this on my own. And inevitably, every single person, friends of mine that I've seen that have gone through that in their mind, saying, I can do this on my own, and they disconnect from church, inevitably, in relatively short time, their journey with Jesus as it was has not even stagnated. It's gone way backwards. So connecting to the church, being part of the church, looking for chances to serve in the church, I'll get to that in a second, is essential. Third thing is our own personal study. It is, it is one thing entirely if I come to church every Sunday morning and I'm fed every Sunday morning. If I come every, maybe three out of every four Sundays and I'm being fed every Sunday morning. But I don't know about you, but if we're talking about the table and I sit down and we're going to have lunch today, I sit down at lunch and I eat all I can eat. Like I go to what's the Ling's Buffet over in Lakeland. And I'm, I, mean, I get all of the food that I can eat. And I start to fill myself up. And, and I just gorge on all this food. And then I sit there at the end of lunch today. And I'm like, you know what? I am really full. I think I'll be good till next Sunday. How long is that going to last? Till supper, we're not even going to make it through today. And already I'm saying, man, I'm hungry right now. It's 7 o'clock at night and I'm starving. Even though I just ate like 1,500 calories for lunch, I'm here at dinner saying I'm hungry all over again. Spiritually speaking, if we come into church and say, I'm going to fill up on Sunday morning and that's going to be it. And then next Sunday I'm going to fill back up. And we wonder why we've stagnated. And we say, well, there must be something wrong. It must be the church. It must be something they're doing because it surely can't be me. If I, as a pastor of the church, say I'm only going to be fed or I'm only going to feed on Sunday morning and I'm not doing that throughout the week, at some point I become seriously malnourished. 
Fourth one is this. Plugging into a group. Chris is going to talk, and this isn't a talk about family group, but Chris is going to talk about groups and, and the significant role they play in our life. I can't tell you how valuable it is to be surrounded by other believers who I meet with on a weekly basis, that we can sit down and share life, to talk through life. And I know for some of you, the whole idea of groups is still really threatening because you say, I don't even know some of the people. I'd be going to their house, and it's all kind of weird. And I'm going to tell you this. For the first couple weeks, it might be weird. But you start to form those relationships, relationships with people that you can trust, you can come to and say, I need to have those conversations. Get plugged in, into those groups. Have a chance to, to do those, you know, interact with people. Fifth one is this, uh, being plugged in a service, serving in some specific area. The people I have seen, just having watched, observed ministry for, for a long time now, the people who I've seen grow the quickest are the people that serve the most. And I'm not saying serve so much you burn yourself out. But something happens because we're looking for a group dynamic. We're always, for every one of us, we're looking for a group dynamic. We're looking for a group of people that we can kind of lock arms with and feel like, man, these are my friends. These are people I trust. And these people I'm serving alongside of. The group dynamic we often look for in family if we try to find in that setting often is also found when we start to serve in a particular area of ministry and all of a sudden we say, man, we're locking arms together and we're growing together and all of a sudden some of our deepest friendships are formed by the people we serve with the most frequently. Yesterday we had a series of breakout groups as part of Empower and Equip. And to see those different breakout groups, and one of the things we'll get to in a second is youth ministry. And I met with a group of, of, of potential youth leaders, and there was a lot of excitement, a lot of ambition, and they had a lot of good ideas. And there was something, there's a camaraderie that happened in an hour and a half long meeting of saying, we all want to partner together to make sure this does the very best it can do. When we do that, we find people to push us along in the journey. And the last one, and this is just kind of a plug for this, but I know we have some students in here that are in middle school or high school. Part of the growth, as, as we have a plan of growth when it comes to the church, saying we want, to pe- want people here on Sunday morning, we want to plug into groups, want them serving, so there is in youth ministry. Starting off this Wednesday night, we're kicking Merge back off. We're going to have a three-week training for anybody in middle school or high school. This is for you. We want to see Merge taking the next level. And so this Wednesday night, uh, parents, I'd encourage you, if you can at all, get your kids here. If they're in middle school or high school, some of the most significant investment you can make to your students is getting them plugged into a ministry like this where they can be around peers that are trying to do this right. Not if they're perfect because they're not, but trying to do this thing right. And so Wednesday night, we're going to talk about some events that are upcoming. Merge is kicking back off. And in three weeks, as we go through this study, it's a three-week training on really training students to be student missionaries. And in the third week, we're actually going to commission those students as missionaries to go out and make a difference this year, looking for chances to plug into our areas to, 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 to grow and to serve. So if, if we're going back to Zach's analogy, I've got to finish this thing up. We try some different things. Here's a list of five different things we said. Do these things are going to start to be, become growth. And the second thing, and, and probably the most significant for a lot of people I talk to, is this. We start to have this journey with Jesus. We start to say, okay, I'm starting to discover what it means, and I start to grow. And initially, when we're down here, we see a lot of growth real quick, real rapidly, and we get to a point where that growth seems to plateau. And we say, you know, I've been doing this for a while, and I need to take the next step. We say, okay, let's, let's get involved. Let's talk about some personal study for a second. And inevitably, I talk to especially young guys who do this. They say, okay, I'm going to start a personal study. And they sit down, and they start reading the Bible. And they read the Bible the first time thinking they're going to have this light bulb moment, this aha moment, and God's Spirit's going to speak to them. And they go and they do it, and they say, you know what? I didn't get anything out of it. 
Like I tried that, I didn't get anything out of it. What's next? Now with Zach, we said it's going to take 10 times of him feeding for him to start to get that. For us, for some of us, we've lived 30 years as lost as could be. And we think, man, I've been lost for 30 years. I've been living like a lost person for 30 years. And now in three days, I'm going to figure it all out by reading my Bible. When I don't get there, I say, well, I'm going to give that up and go do something different. For us to have growth, it takes obedience over a long period of time. That's what we're longing for. If right now you're at a point of being stagnated, you feel like, man, I've tried this and and I kind of hit a plateau, push through that wall. We hit walls in our spiritual growth, and the idea when I hit that wall is not for me to give up and say, okay, I'm done, let me go do something else. But to push through that wall and say, God, I believe there's something bigger on the other side. I'm stagnated right now, but it's time for me to push back on this seat, get rid of this seat entirely, and let me move to a deeper walk with you. Let me get past these elementary things and start to taste the goodness of what it really means to have a relationship with you. Let's pray.